Welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown, the podcast where we take a deeper look into teams, coaches, and trends of the NBA. I'm your host, Coach Mark Tinklenberg. It's time to settle in and enjoy as we talk about the league. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Cavalier Central, 305 Culture, Knock If You Buck, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, and At The Buzzer. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Welcome to X's and O's NBA Breakdown. I'm your host, Mark Tinklenberg. I'm here with my man, Zach, and my other man, Coach O. We are missing Mike right now. He may hop on and be able to join us in a little bit, but we're going to give you everything we can here in episode 13 as we talk about the second half preview of the NBA. Fellas, what's going on? How are we doing tonight? What's good? What's good? I'm starting to think Mike has a problem with me. Every time I hear Mike just doesn't show up. <laughs> we got to get this figured out. Yeah, it's, it's really weird. Every time. Love you, Mike. Love you, Mike. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well. <laughs> so this is a big episode for uh, for this show, personal, uh, you know, from my personal standpoint, because we're going to kind of give you guys where we were the first half of the season, what we thought before the beginning of the season. And then we're going to talk about how is this all going to end up at the end of the year. Before we do that, we're going to review All-Star Game and the All-Star Weekend, which was really just one night, um, and how all that went. You, you know, we talked about this a few episodes ago, Zach. I, we knew that it was going to happen. Um, it was kind of the inevitable thing. And actually, Coach O, I think you were on that episode a little bit when we talked about it. Is is the All-Star game going to happen? Yeah, it's inevitable. But what's that even going to look like? And to be honest, in my opinion, it wasn't it wasn't very good. You know, you had players having to sit with the tracing and with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, and, and now you got two guys down there. The players still went out, and they played a nice little open gym run that that probably any of us could have hopped in and, and got a few shots in if we really wanted to, because the you know it was it was um, it was definitely an old school All Star NBA game in terms of nobody trying. I'm thinking back to about four years ago, five years ago, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to you know last season right before COVID hit. I think we got the best All Star game we'd ever seen. So. You know, we're, we're transitioning here, but what did you guys think of the All-Star game? Just in general, maybe maybe you didn't watch as much as you, you thought you would, but what were we looking at from your guys' point of view? So, with me, are we – we're choosing – we're starting West, East, West, whichever? Either or. Just what you what do you think mm-hmm. of the All-Star game in general, the mm-hmm. format, how it worked? I think – well, you know, we talked about it before. We – you know, there's that uncertainty because of COVID – we weren't too sure what kind of all-star game we're going to get. Um, with me, what I guess what I would probably have a not an issue, but like I'm questioning, I'm asking myself a lot of questions, is just the selectioning of who makes it and uh, everything did. Because if you think about it, you know, I found it really odd that Trey Young didn't make it, um, even as a reserve. So... I'm just going along that aspect where like, I'm starting to wonder if anything is, is there something behind the scenes that we're not made aware of? That's a really, I just really found good it weird point. Be- because point. anybody I, I have, I have trouble believing that in the starters that in the, in the reserves, nobody would have Trey young as a top two in the reserves. I have trouble believing that. That's just yeah, me. That's just I, I completely agree with that. I, I was very surprised that he did not get in. Um, it makes no sense to me. As I said on the episode where we were kind of talking about how they select, there's something missing in that protocol and what they do to select these all-star teams to get the players that we think that they should have in there. 
I don't know what the fix is. I know we tried to talk about it. I don't know what the fix is as far as how voting goes, how coaches are voting. I'm not sure, but I know that that was not the roster that I would have voted for when it came to the reserves. There's, there's something that's got to change there. And, and piggybacking on what you're saying, this is the reason why I brought this up because me, I like uh, my, my, my brain works like that. It's like a, it's like a train of thought. So if we're not selecting the proper, and then we have a situation like COVID that just happened, we basically, if I'm the NBA, we basically just got exposed about how, our selection is not that good. How we're choosing the best player. Cause I'm, what I'm thinking is it's probably about, you know, yes, we want to take the best players, but you know, Oh, the number one team is going to have two, da, 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 da. even though Ben Simmons is not playing at an all-star all-star level right now, but you know, since they're number one, he's going to get two and all that stuff. Oh, but now we have to put, we have to put in a big man. Is a big man going to go in and all that stuff. I think you're now at a point where you have to have the, the best players period you want to pick 12 players pick the best 12 if you want to make it 13 pick the best 13 players because my thing with that is again like i'm saying covid kind of exposed the game in a sense where the we didn't have the best players out there and then you saw when one player goes down with injury one player goes out with covid has to sit and stuff like that you start realizing that something's missing so that's my take. <laughs> well, I didn't even like the fact that Devin Booker was just an alternate. Like, how is right. he not one of the picks, whether that be starting reserves? How is he the, oh, we have to wait, Who who's he taking the place of? You know, and I'll say this, as a Pacer fan, how was Sabonis one of the next people up? It didn't make sense to me. And I think mm-hmm. he's a great player. I don't mm-hmm. think he's an all-star this year, though. I just mm-hmm. didn't feel that way. And I've watched every Pacer game. Mm-hmm. Great. But so, not this year as far as an alternate for an all-star game. So here's my suggestion. And I, and I hope this reaches the NBA levels. We need to go back to having the West and the East. And if you're in the Western Conference, you need to be up and voted for the Western Conference. And the top vote getter, you get to draft from the top so many players in the West that have been voted and mm-hmm. I, I think it needs to become more West versus East as opposed to just this hodgepodge of guys because it allows for, like you said, it's just it's a popularity contest a lot of times. And, oh, you're the top seed, so you're going to get an extra body maybe and you know so on and so forth. And, um, and, and so I think it becomes harder to make an all-star game almost when it's West versus East. And I think it makes for I think it makes for better entertainment, too, because you're playing for your conference or for your, you know, your conference and you're playing for your um you know, you're playing with respective players you play against every night that you're fighting against because quite frankly, the Lakers don't play the Eastern Conference every night. You know, the Clippers, don't, mm. they're going against each other. And so I think it adds value to those games too in the regular season when you're voting based on conference as opposed to just, let's just get, you know, you can still get the top 12 players in each conference and it can be a hell of a lineup. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah. so and, and maybe play for something like major league baseball does and where you're going, Hey, the West versus the East, make it more competitive. The finals would be who gets home court advantage. It doesn't go record at that point. Right. Like you got to You kind of do something with the all-star game where there's an actual benefit to winning that game. Yeah. Play for something then. Like, I think that that's a really cool idea to be able to throw in there. Now, as far as the rest of the all-star game, the rest of the all-star night, I should say, dunk contest, it was not good. It was not. <laughs> it was, it was One not thing good. the all-star game did is it opened our eyes to a possibility of what Steph Curry and LeBron James looks like on the same team for the first time. And let me tell you, guys, you want to talk about – I've seen some duos now that I've been following, and I think we all have. You talk about Shaq and Kobe. You know, you go down the line, you talk about Tim Duncan and Ginobili or Parker, and you, you go keep going down the line, and LeBron and, and Irving and then Curry. And listen, throw all those out the window, okay, other than Shaq and Kobe just simply because of size, Steph Curry and LeBron James – would be the best duo we'd seen in a long, long time in the NBA. That was fun to watch. 
That was really that was fun to watch. watch. That that, yeah. that the highlight, obviously, Steph winning the three point contest. That was fun. That was that was fun. Him getting the last shot, and then him and Dame throwing up half court shots in nothing but net. That was the highlight. Those were the highlights to me of the All Star night. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it was lacking, and I think we all kind of expected it not to be maybe as good with everything going on when you condense everything and you have a mm-hmm. dunk contest at halftime, the three point contest is ahead, the rising stars right in front of it. It's not spread out, yeah. no fans. This was going to be the best product that they were probably going to be able to do this year. But you have for next year, you have something to live up to for the previous years. Right. So like we, we have to go back to at least not this year, but the year before where we actually all came around and going, that was the best all-star weekend we'd had in quite a while. It was really (laughs) fun. Um, All-star game was good. The whole, the whole weekend was really, really fun to watch. Yeah. Dunk contest was thrown together. Obviously not really any names that anyone really knew too, too much. Yep. The good news was nobody got injured at the end of the day. Guys got in, they had a little bit of fun. They paid their, they paid their dues at the all-star game. Everybody got on injured. And honestly, at the end of the day, this was still a time that people needed rest. As we talked about right before on our last episode, there are teams that were really just patiently waiting to get to that, uh, all-star break to give themselves their minds, their bodies and everything in between a chance to rest and kind of catch up to what this hurry of a season has felt like. And we went back and we talked about the last four teams standing in the bubble. You know, that bubble ended at the, in the middle of October. And so you had Lakers and you had nuggets and you had the heat and you had the bucks, all four teams, probably arguably that still Four of the top seven or eight teams in the NBA, we think probably at the end of the day, all kind of going through their struggles and spurts early in the season because of the condensed off seasons we've talked about a lot here. So those four teams specifically were probably just dying to get to the all-star break to give themselves a break, give themselves some rest, freshen up, get a chance to maybe get a couple practices in before we hit another huge stretch of the start of the second half of the season, which starts tonight. It actually started last night, but tonight mm-hmm. is where we're getting a, a majority of the games. And we're going to kind of shift gears now into our second half preview. Um, in the first preview that we did before the season, we did it by tiers. And I'm going to let you guys kind of jump in about um, some of those predictions. Uh, we're going to start in the Western Conference, and we did this by tiers. And in tier one, we had the Lakers and Nuggets, and that was it. We kind of separated those guys from the rest of the pack. Mm -hmm. And as things have played out so far, neither of them are in the top two in the standings. However, um, we'll get into what that maybe looks like at the end of the season. Uh, But neither of them in the top two. And then we had Clippers, Mavs, Blazers, Utah in no particular order. But that was kind of our second tier And then we had Rockets, Warriors, and Suns that we felt like teams that were going to be on the rise and pushing those bottom, you know, pushing the bottom of the West with the West being so deep. So, fellas, let's start in the West. What do we get right? What do we get wrong? And how do we see this thing playing out the second half of the season? Whoever wants to start, I give you the honor of taking over the West. Good luck. Well, I will say this. The – the Lakers, we all know, obviously, injuries, you're missing. You had Schroeder out for so long. You have AD still coming back. Um, do we know time frame of him yet, Tink? You're a Lakers fan. Yeah, he'll, heard? he's not playing Friday uh, okay. versus the Pacers, but he is expected to be back. I appreciate that, by the way. Yes, you. you're welcome. Uh, he's expected you, to be back <laughs> <out> either, <laughs> either the game after or, or – two games after that and get him back in the rotation. Perfect. So I guarantee you, as you saw LeBron's, uh, it's time for him to clock back in, right? He, he just tweeted that out. He just said that, like, you're going to see him lock back in. 
and really take off. I, I guarantee you they're going to go on a win streak once AD go, comes back. I, I'll give them, you know, I could see them going to seven of their next 10 once he becomes healthy and he's back in the rotation and gets his conditioning back up. They'll, they'll win a handful of games. I really think they're going to be good. I'm going to still say that they're the team to beat in the West. I don't see that changing. Um, Nuggets we had there at that second team that we said top tier. They started. They're starting to play better. They are. I think they. They are going to be again a regular season finisher up in that top echelon that we we were kind of thinking. Um, they're they're tough. I think those tough two are going to be the ones. Coach O, what, what do you think on that top tier? What you feeling? I agree. I agree. Um, definitely at this point of the standings, you're looking at Utah. Utah was a little bit surprising at me at first when I saw it happen when they were winning all these games in a row. But looking back on it, it's kind of, it, you can kind of anticipate the teams that have the most continuity to be at the top, to have some kind of like comfort and feel for it, right? So when you look at it, you're looking at Utah and the Utah in the West, and you're looking at Philly in the East, like the big pieces have some kind of continuity, right? So, um, But looking forward, again, even if the Lakers don't finish first, LeBron have had seasons in Cleveland where he'd finish third, finish second. It don't matter. You have said this. You actually stated this multiple times on this show. That it doesn't I, I, for the Lakers, you've said it doesn't matter where they finish, right? It really doesn't matter. And plus, now I think there are talks of trades. You were looking at maybe Lamarcus Aldridge or Andre Drummond. So you know, and for those who, um, if you if you don't have, I I encourage you to go watch the video. You can see uh, you can see Tinkins started to lick, salivating a little bit. <laughs> nice little pieces, but yeah. So I think Lakers, Denver. Denver for sure, but now with the um, the poor beginning of season, maybe not as high as we kind of expected, but I still expect them to have home court. I would still expect them to have home court if we're looking at it, if we're looking at yeah. Fair. Yep. And I, I would agree with that. You know, at, at the end of the day, I don't foresee Utah sustaining, uh, you know, being the top team in the West. I think it's important for them. So I think – you know, they know that it's going to be important for them, Utah, because that's going to be kind of their chance to make some noise is if they have that kind of when you get to the playoffs, you have that thing like, hey, this is look at us. We finished first in the West and they have to all come through us. And I think for Utah mentally, that's their chance. I think so. I think they're going to play and they're going to play for that first spot. I don't think they want to lose that, but I well, don't foresee it being sustainable for them. So, sorry to cut you off, but now let me ask you this. If, let's say, Utah's first-round matchup is the Golden State Warriors. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, man. We're talking about matchups. Yeah. yeah. We're talking about yeah. matchups. I would not be surprised Warriors might be able to steal some. Yeah. May absolutely. go to six and possibly winning winning this series. Yeah, absolutely. I think Utah, as good as they are, they're an injury away from throwing out their continuity, right? I think that that, that starting five, that maybe six-man rotation has to stay healthy for them to continue what they're doing, to fight for that first position. Uh, a Bojan getting injured, uh, some, something like that can kind of shift what they do. They're, they're going to be a competitive team regardless but if they want to be this that team where they're the you know power rankings number one right now and continue what they're doing, they have to stay healthy. I'll I'll tell you where it becomes where it becomes complicated, and this is NBA this is NBA X's and O's right here. When you get to the playoffs and you have four opportunities to go at teams, what happens is that you start taking away options. So now let's say the Warriors, Warriors, Warriors have have Steph, they have a staff that knows how to prep for playoff games. You start wondering, you know, you take away, you take away Donovan Mitchell. Let's say instead of him scoring 30 a game, let's say we slow him down. Maybe he scores 27 or maybe Donovan Mitchell goes off, but who's that second and third guy? Can they be consistent? Because the, what's going to happen is that again, the game slows down 
And now the guys who are not necessarily regulars have to be regulars consistently. That's the difference. And that's why it's always hard to play against LeBron James. It's always hard to play against LeBron James because what LeBron does, I don't know if you guys see, when LeBron starts off the game, he's feeling stuff out. He's picking up information. He's getting everybody going. And then after that, it's too late. You just look up at the scoreboard. My man has 22, 8 and 7. In the second quarter. <laughs> in the second. So, so that's what I'm interested in seeing. Like, I'm, I like that part of the regular season because when you hear NBA, NBA analysts say, you know, the game slows down, they never really explain it to people. And when they say the game slows down, well, basically you can't get into your stuff as fluidly and as easily as possible. That's what it is. So um, hopefully this clears things up a little bit for the listeners. So that's why it looks like in the playoffs, it looks like it's like, oh, we missed the first option. We missed the second. Oh, give it to our best player. Ball screen. That's why that's the main reason why. And at the end of the game, when you have the best players, great players are going to make the plays. Mm -hmm. So that's that's what I mean. Because right now Utah, Utah's unproven. Utah's unproven right now. Utah's unproven. And can I count on Rudy Gobert? Rudy Gobert made all-star. I think he was averaging, he was averaging 14, 14 and 11. Not not over, not over 18 points, 14 and 11, something like that. Can I count on Rudy Gobert? Because right now what's happening is Rudy Gobert is dependent on having a capable ball handler, right? Absolutely. Can Rudy Gobert have the same kind of productivity. Can he score one on one? If I take out Yep. If I take out a Jordan Clarkson. If I for one yep. thing I'm like, okay, we're we're going under everything for Donovan Mitchell, for an example, right? Can Rudy Gobert yep. adjust and yep. have a second impact? Yep. Can he score when a team says we're gonna force you to be the guy to to go one on one against us? We're gonna take everything away on the perimeter. We're gonna force everything to come through you. Can you score? Because here's the thing, and guys, NBA teams are capable of doing that. Yeah, That's, mm-hmm. you know the the Jazz don't they don't get to just pick and choose now. You know when we get to the playoffs, they're gonna have to take what's given to them. And NBA teams defensively, when you start scheming for four oh, games, man. you start you get to start dictating what. They have to do to score. And like you said, when you just have guys that are flat out mm-hmm. better, then that's what you have to mm-hmm. live with. You know, that's how the Lakers made that run last mm-hmm. year. The, the other teams tried taking away, you know, LeBron and, and what they decide to say is we'll live with anything the Lakers do outside of the paint. Mm-hmm. So if the Lakers hit 12 threes and if 80s hitting his face up mid range, as long as they aren't blasting us at the rim, you know, that's going to be our goal defensively. They schemed everything to take out the paint. Well, guess what? AD was just better. He hit shots. Uh, KCP started hitting threes. And and then that, now you have to adjust. And so now the lane started opening midway through the game. LeBron's just waiting, 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 like you said. And so, like you said, the matchups, the scheming, this is going to be big. Mm. Utah's unproven. Mm. Can they do that? Mm. Phoenix is unproven. Can they do that? Um, you know, Portland has never gotten through that phase of the playoffs. Yeah. Can they do yeah. it? The Mavericks have never gotten through it. The Clippers have never gotten through that mm-hmm. phase of the playoffs. Yep. Can they finally do it? Um, the Nuggets as well, obviously. Now, the Nuggets were the closest, but still, once the Lakers schemed them and when the, the Lakers have the best players, how do you get through that wall? So uh, a lot to look at in the West. Mm-hmm. And, and when we talk about some of those clip uh, tier two, now these are the teams – that we maybe missed on. Uh, we had the Suns in Tier 3, and they're much better than anticipated. Zach, I know you're really high on the Suns. And and I just want to talk about this because we're talking about Tier 2. Uh, we had them in Tier 3 to start, but Zach, do you see them staying um, where they're at, or do you – Do you, I think Tier 2 is still a really good con, uh, like a really good finishing point for the Suns, specifically – with that roster, it still tells you how good CP3 is. So, um, and it also tells you how good of a coach Monty Williams is because he is he is really um, mm. he is scheming the heck out of people in regular season already. I mean, he, and they are just they are just uh, you know they're shooting daggers from all over the place. So, do we see the Suns as a team that's going to stay in that second tier? 
Yeah, because I think that they kind of the Mavs having such a rough start left room for the Suns to sneak up into that next tier up, right? So I don't see them not getting out of that tier two model. Um, the Mavs are struggling uh, with the, with injuries and Kristaps is in and out of lineup and it, that normal kind of Mavs thing story we've had the last few seasons. Um, so the Suns with, with Chris Paul not having to do too much all the time, go out and just dish the ball, be a general, right? That's all that he really, really needs to do. And he's doing that and giving Devin Booker um, time to just go be the guy. Like Chris Paul doesn't have to be the guy. Um, I think they're going to continue to be great. I'll, I'll see them in finishing that fourth, fifth, sixth spot in the West, I would say, um, and, and flourish. Coach O, Gree, what do you think? And by the way, the Suns finishing fourth spot, that's huge. That's big. So I don't want anybody thinking like we're disrespecting the Suns or anything. Like this is a team technically based on the talent pool that you have in the Western Conference. Suns should technically be almost like seventh, sixth, seventh, possibly fighting to get into that play in. So now you're you. T- so if we're saying that the Suns have home court, that's huge. So I don't want uh, people mis- having that misconception. Well, they were the what we said. They were like the, hey, here's a team to watch out for. They could be decent. Let's see what Chris Paul will do. He was that team, right? That was that team. So to have them there. Hey, maybe we should play the lottery because I feel like we're right, boys. That's that's how I feel about it. <laughs> Yes. And, and here's the thing with the Suns is that, you know, they match up wise, they go really well against really anybody in the West right now. Uh, they've got, they've put together a really nice team. Now their shooting is going to have to be sustainable through the playoffs. What happens when Devin Booker's taken away, as you said, and you're left with, you know, some of these guys, uh, who are going to have to make threes and you're putting a lot of pressure on DeAndre Ayton to be great. Is he capable of doing that? I don't know. And, and this is what makes the NBA so great. The regular season and the postseason are two totally different seasons. And it, 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 to be honest with you, um, Mike, I know you're huge on the Suns. Um, we were just talking about where they're at now and where we see them. I, we want to know if, you know, you've talked about them in a few episodes. Do you see them, as a team that's going to maintain their spot or did we put them too low in that season preview in the third tier or, or is that just kind of where they're going to end up in your opinion? No, and before I feel you like... speak, just welcome cutie. It's really good to see you. Oh, thanks. Mike. <laughs> thanks. It's good. It's good to be here. It's good to be here. I, I feel like they're playing above their heads, but again, I have said, Uh, from the moment we started talking about Phoenix this year and this run that they've made, I think last year made such a huge difference specifically for Devin Booker and how he's going to be able, like he feels like the guy that's carrying this team. Now, are they going to stay in the second spot? Probably not. But, but I, you know, catching the tail end of that conversation, I could see him getting home court advantage because they are, and Deandre Ayton, theoretically is only going to get better. I mean, mm-hmm. is he in his second year? I think he's like in his third. I want to say third, third. year. Okay. So third. he's in his third year, but yeah. he came out at, at, after his freshman year. So he's just a kid. I mean, he's a, mm-hmm. he's the same age as he would be a senior in college. And, and so he's going to keep getting better and better. And that team, and then obviously the bulldog, our favorite player, Chris Paul, taking them along and I see this as sustainable and it seems a little bit like sort of a almost a mini big three where you can plug in pieces around them and still be able to play so I don't think I mean they're eight and two in their last ten I don't I don't see them staying at the two spot specifically through the grind of the second half of the season because I I know I missed tier one but we know the Lakers are going to go on a tear the Clippers are going to fight for their lives. You know, you've got Dallas and Denver and those teams that know how to get to the top, continue to go. But I can see them, Coach O, to your your point, uh, sneaking their way into home court for the first half or for the first round. So as we uh, 
go to break here real quick. We want you guys to hang on. We got a couple more teams in the West uh, that we need to hit on that we missed, uh, that we got wrong in our preview. And, and we need to talk about just what we have seen so far to finish up. And then we're going to switch gears to the East, guys. We're going to talk about the East. And we're going to kind of give just a, a general preview of how we see this season ending. So hang tight with us. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A-R-Y-S-E, and use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E.com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. Welcome back to From Break. This is X's and O's NBA Breakdown, episode 13, and we are here with my co-hosts, Mike Herringa, Zach Walker, and Coach O is with us. We're doing the season preview for the second half of the season now, and yes, uh, we are reviewing. Uh, we just got through most of the top teams in the West, and when we go back and we looked at what we had um, before the season, we had the Rockets and the Warriors – uh, in that bottom tier. And I don't think we really need to talk much about the Rockets. I'm not trying to be funny, but they're having an absolute dump, dumpster fire sale over there. Okay. Houston. Um, it's a mass exodus. You know, we have in our notes, I'm looking at our notes, you know, we had John Wall, Cousins have looked good. They're not good. So everybody's in bad shape. Um, in Houston, we're not worried about Houston anymore. They're long gone. Um, I do feel bad for John Wall trying to come back from injury down there, but at the same time, um, you know, that that's a total rebuild. So I don't foresee him being there much longer anyway. Uh, if they can find a trade partner for him this offseason, I'm sure he'll be gone. The Warriors, who we've touched on a little bit already in this episode, you know, they're the team that's going to keep probably getting blown out in the regular season. But um, but they will uh, they will cause problems come playoff time. So, um, guys, tell me, who do you see sneaking in to that bottom tier of the West? Um, who are those teams that are going to cause problems? And um, who are those teams that maybe are going to face a Lakers, a Clippers, a Utah, a Phoenix, somebody in the first round, and, and maybe be a matchup nightmare out there in the West? How do you foresee the West wrapping up? Can I just tell you my favorite comment that I've heard uh, maybe all year, and it was at the all-star break from Steph, and it was, I have a lot left to accomplish, but I don't have anything left to prove. And I thought, first of all, what a great way to live your life. But they, they terrify me. I mean, they are the team that if they get in now, I've, I've watched them play multiple times. Um, I don't know half the players on their team. I mean, I know their names, but, you know, uh, Steve Kerr has a little bit of a, a Phil Jackson vibe to me where he took the most talented team and put them together and won multiple championships. And now when a lot of that talent is either gone or sidelined, he is still coaching that team up. You know, it's Phil Jackson in the Michael retirement years where he really is a good coach. And that team is playing way over its head with, with an MVP candidate year after year. But when I look at, at, at that six, seven, eight spot, I don't know who they're going to take out. But if, if I were at the top of the West, that's the team that would scare me because they know how to win. Steph knows how to win. Dre knows how to win. And Dre is growing on me um, the farther along he gets in the league. But that team, 
that team's got it or could they could catch fire and and take out a top team so that's my team i i'd look for them to keep moving so there is such thing as having too much in some cases but there is some situations also where not having enough is a good thing and that's what we kind of are able to see with the warriors And I think that's a good point because when you have a player like Steph who doesn't need the ball, who can play off, who can put pressure on your defense without him actually having the ball, what happens is that it empowers the rest of the other players. So now you have guys like Andrew Wiggins who is having probably one of the best seasons that he's had because you have so much space, because you have the greatest shooter. I think we all agree, the greatest shooter we have ever seen. Zach's crossing his arms. He's making me laugh. I agree. Right. Better, than, better than Reggie. Better than Reggie. No, I mean, it's but just unnecessary, Mike. No, you weren't coming off mute. My job was to get you off mute. <laughs> And it worked. No, but there's so much added benefits by having an unselfish superstar. It opens up so much. Um, more space more opportunities, your screens are more scoring opportunities because now because you're setting such a good screen, you're getting open, you can slip to the basket. And when Steph goes to the bench, guess what? Wiggins, we're empowering you. Go be you. The, um, embrace it. And that's something that happens. What Now you're looking at all these other players that are playing around this. They're able to kind of like fill in those roles. And that's what I really like about these teams. You look at a guy like Draymond. And I think that's what I like the most and I appreciate the most about Draymond is there is such thing as having an identity in the NBA. Players have their identity, develop their identity through their contract situations and through their playing style. Never once will you see Draymond deviate from who he is. Just because Draymond is uh, open at the three-point line doesn't mean that he's going to shoot four to six times, four to six threes at all times. Yep. Well, let me let, let let's go back and forth on this a minute because I love that point. When Clay got hurt, I thought that all of that growth in those secondary players that you talk about and that's super important was going to be a catalyst for next year. And the fact that Steph and and that and Steve Kerr and that team is gelling so quickly to make a run this year is super impressive. Because I, t- to your point, yes, those secondary pieces that that growth there was uh, something that I was looking for for next year, and I was really nervous about them next year. But they're but they're ahead of what I had for their schedule. You add Clay to that team, that's a top three team. Yeah, man. That's a top two. 100%. But so, uh, Golden State, I agree. I think they're they're a team that's going to be a tough out if they sneak in. I'm going to shift to the Mavs, who are playing a little bit better than they were. And again, a bottom seated team that'll probably be in that six, seven, eight era, something like that, play in, whatever it'll look like for them, that someone probably doesn't want to play. I think it's going to really depend on matchup for them. I really, really do. Luka's going to go be Luka. The one thing, as I said earlier, is Kristaps needs to get healthy to help them out. That that he, I mean, if he's healthy, It's a team that nobody really wants to play because he can get hot and go for 30 from the three-point line. He, he can do some stuff defensively underneath, um, good rim protector. But they, with Rick Carlisle coaching that team, who I, I love Rick Carlisle, always well as a, a former Pacers head coach, he's a great coach. And I think that they can, they can make some noise and taking a team sneakily to six, seven games and possibly getting into the second round. I just think that they're another team like Golden State that somebody should watch out for at the bottom seat. Yeah, if you're the Clippers, you're terrified to see Dallas in the first round, right? Because if Kristaps Porzingis was healthy, or I'm sorry, if he wouldn't have got that uh, that injury and that suspension, or he got teed up twice in that in that Clippers game, guys, Mavericks might have been pushing that series to seven, and then it's a complete toss up, and who knows? 
Clippers might not even make it out of the first round. So um, if you're if you're the Clippers, you would hate to see somebody like that. You'd also probably hate to see somebody like the Trailblazers, who we keep talking about every year as a team you don't want to see. Um, and I think they give every single team problems but the Lakers simply because they don't have an answer for AD. They just don't have somebody to stop him. When push comes to shove, when the matchup's on the line, they don't have enough to stop the Lakers. Um, everybody else, though, they are a team that that could blow you out four games in a row, to be honest. I mean, think about who they match up with. They match up great with the Nuggets. They match up great with the Clippers. They match up great with Utah. We saw that series. Uh, I'm sorry, we, we would like to see – I would like to see that series. I'd like to see Portland and Utah go at it, some guards going at it. We saw the Nuggets and – and we saw Utah go at it last year. And I would like to see Portland go at it um, with Utah. I think that would be a great first-round series. And honestly, I think that's going to end up being a 2-7 a or 3-6 first-round potential matchup in the West. The Western Conference playoffs and the second half of the season is going to be absolute fireworks guys this is going to be a heck of a run to the finish line and games are coming at a ridiculous pace after friday's game the lakers play five games in seven days starting in golden state on monday i hope that they're ready i hope lebron is ready they really need ad to get back um you know the Lakers might finish fourth or fifth at this point <laughs> if they don't get healthy. But, Coach o, as you said, we're going to stick with this in the West to wrap things up. No matter where the Lakers find themselves, they're still the team to beat. That's not changing unless we see a season-ending injury um, from one of their two superstars. Let's shift gears to the East. Okay, the East, um, we had Milwaukee, Miami, and Brooklyn – and then we had the Raptors, Sixers, Celtics. And then we had Wizards, Pacers, and Hawks. So, guys, we were pretty close in the East. And honestly, I could see this ending up uh, kind of similarly to what we had in our preview. Um, you know, Milwaukee's starting to come along a little bit. I think they're still recovering from the short offseason as well. Miami's starting to come around a little bit. Brooklyn is probably the team to beat right now. Wow, what a lineup they've got going on. Um, Philly is is you know the number one seed coming out of the all-star break how long will that remain i don't know um the celtics are struggling the wizards are starting to put some things together as i was fully anticipating them being able to do um they're going to be just like a golden state in the west they're going to be the golden state of of the east a team that can sneak in and all of a sudden you look at the you look at them and you go, uh-oh, we got some matchup problems with Westbrook and Beal because once they get on the same page, those are two really dangerous players. Obviously, Beal just scoring at a ridiculous rate. So uh, the Pacers are, um, you know, they're still going to be the team that's going to push you to six or seven and could potentially steal a first-round series. Um, and then we had Atlanta down there at the bottom, and Atlanta struggled a little bit, but if I'm not mistaken – they're starting to find some of those guys that they signed in the offseason. They're finally getting a little bit more uh, productivity from Danilo Gallinari and some of those other guys that they signed. So tell me about the East quick, guys. What? How do we see this? What do we get right? What do we get wrong, in your opinion? And where do you? how do you see this whole thing shaking out? Well, as we see, the Nets are just – just picking up all stars. I mean, I mean, it's just formal all stars. I don't know what Blake, he's not going to go and go be Blake Griffin of old. I just really don't think that he's going to do that there because there's not enough possessions to get him to even really be doing that with Kyrie, James Harden and Kevin Durant, but it does fill in some little gaps that we talked about earlier in the seasons as needing another body, a bigger body, um, he's not the best defensively, but he's a big body that can fill a gap in certain situations. Great pickup for them. You know, I, I know that, you know, Tink and Mike were hoping maybe the Lakers would be able to pick him up, which they would have, he would have been good there too. I think he would have maybe had a bigger role with the Lakers to be very honest, but they are going to be the number one seed. They're only a half game back from the 76ers. 
76ers continue to be good, but the the Nets are going to be that top team in the East, and Milwaukee will probably round out that third spot, in my opinion. Uh, it'll be pretty close between the 76ers and Milwaukee, I would feel like, towards the end of it. But the Nets are, Nets are the team when I go to that top tier. They're that team that nobody wants to play. There's just too much firepower there. Yeah, it feels like it's Brooklyn and everybody else, right, at the end of the day. And is somebody going to upset them? Uh, maybe, but it just, it, they're, they're nine and one, you know, I'm sitting here, I'm looking at the standings fourth place in the East and it's not, you know, it's apples to oranges, but fourth place in the East is uh, eighth place in the West right now. And Zach, we were talking about last time, you know, if you go on a three game winning streak, uh, or five game winning streak, you could jump from nine to three or nine to four. So it, it's just a really compressed league right now. And you've got those three teams that are sort of separating Philly, Brooklyn, and the Bucks. And I, I mean, it, it feels to me like it's Brooklyn and Milwaukee that it's theirs to lose. They're going to be playing uh, in the Eastern conference finals. And it would, even though Philly's playing really well right now, it would feel to me like an upset uh, if they made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. But to our rankings, they're way outpacing what we thought. You know, we had them in the second. They're leading the league right now or leading the, the conference in, uh, in wins right now. So they're playing really well. Coach O, it's kind of like what you said, right? It's not to disparage what they're doing. I just feel like we've got Brooklyn and Milwaukee uh, and I just keep waiting for Miami. <laughs> I want them. I want them. Miami. I feel like they've got a run coming in them to get into that home, that home court. Um, but we'll see. Miami seven and three in their last 10, just before coach O gives me his thoughts bumped up to the seventh seed. Uh, they need to get healthy. They started getting healthy guys. Miami Heat are gonna be are gonna be the absolute buzzsaw again this year, in my opinion, in the Eastern Conference. That coaching staff, and they got guys. And listen, if they pick up a Lamarcus Aldridge, look out now. Doesn't that feel like the Warriors of the East? That that's a team nobody wants to play. Exactly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. No, definitely. Um, barring, I don't. I'm. I'm. I don't know when the trade deadline is, but obviously things can move. But I'm going to go the other way, Mike. I'm going to say Philly and Brooklyn. And my reason behind this is I like a coach that can relate to his players. I think that's so underrated, especially in the NBA. You have to have someone who relates to your superstars. I think a coach that can relate to his superstars. But I think something that has great value is for you to have some kind of mismatch at the point guard position and have a, and have a dominant big. That's what I, I think just having those three anchors, coach, coach, point guard, and a big, I think it kind of like, it gives me a little more, I'm more calm as a, as a guy, I'm more calm if I have that. So I'm thinking, I'm thinking if I was to choose an Eastern conference finals, I'm going for Brooklyn and Philly. Milwaukee for me is a team that, no disrespect, but it's a team that is sort of like built for regular season, in my opinion. So it's almost like I'm thinking Milwaukee is very similar to Utah on the other end where, well, yeah, you have enough players or you have enough playmakers to be able to win games. But now when we buckle down in the playoffs and we take away Giannis, what are the other guys do? The other guys haven't gotten enough reps. Because me, what I find dangerous is they're letting Giannis run the break. They're letting Giannis make all decisions, which is good because you're trying to win, right? But I think the regular season, you have to pace yourself. And I think that's what these guys are not doing. Where Giannis is looking, they're looking to win every single game. Last year, they finished first. But yet, when it gets to the postseason, you're second and third, ball handlers haven't made enough decisions for them to feel comfortable when all the chips are put on the table. So I'm going more of a psychological aspect to it. And 
I will say this though. They have good backup backup. Well, backup. He's not really a backup, but DiVincenzo has been playing very well. And I think DJ Augustine was a great pickup for them. I think it I think they are better, but if I had to choose, I'm gonna pick Philly versus Brooklyn. Because I think that having Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris is a steady, that's a steady third option. Steady third option is not afraid to take the best to take take the last shots. And I think there's just more um rely um reliability per se in those dude i totally agree with you i got philly and brooklyn mm. <laughs> <laughs> i do you've convinced me because you're right you're right milwaukee's a regular season team we've talked about it i think it's yeah. recency bias a little bit and i feel like Giannis is on a, on a mission but you're right if in if i put those two teams up against each other i'd probably take philly it just so yeah I'm with you. Embiid's winning his matchup, right? And just quickly, quickly going after, like, I think stars are super important to have, especially in the postseason. So for me, if I'm looking at Brooklyn, Brooklyn has enough star power to get out of the East. But when it comes to going to the finals against, let's say, a Lakers, for me, what will play a factor is the not the fact that the players are good, it's the roles going into the finals. Now, James Harden, are you a scorer? Um, is KD our guy? Is Kyrie Irving our... Like, there's a whole psychological part that I think people don't actually pay attention to that's super important. So, as maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just, I'm just overstating everything, but that's the way I see it. So, we won't know how good Brooklyn actually is until all of them are on that yep. court. And we start seeing what's going to be, what is going to bleed out from the locker room when things go wrong. Uh, who's the guy? Who is the guy? Who's the guy out there? Um, so the East is going to be, you know, interesting. I personally am going to still go with the Heat uh, in the East, and I'm going to take the Heat and Nets in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think the Heat just match up great. Um, in terms of when they're all healthy, they're grittier. And there's always a team in, in the playoffs that they're just grittier and nastier and they just scheme you better. They just have better coaching. And and that team, a lot of times wins. I don't know that Miami can make it out of the East, but I do think that it's going to be Miami and Brooklyn in the Eastern conference finals. And I think Miami is going to push them uh, with what they, with what they bring. Um, to the table defensively specifically with your all-time switch. They switch everything. They switch it well enough. They're going to zone them. They're going to force them to do things that they're uncomfortable with. So that's my pick in the East. Um, So we got that. That's our preview. Um, What else? Anything else from the East guys that, that we can hit on very quick. I'll go to Celtics real quick. Um, Yeah. They're not doing what we thought they might do. I will be interested to see what they do at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline. If they go out and get what's rumored to be either a Harrison Barnes as rumored for, or Jeremy Grant, what that could possibly do for them. Now that doesn't take them to like a tier one or even a top tier two, but they'll, they'll, it'll do something a little bit better depending on what they have to give up. What it looks like the rumors are just picks because they have a lot of them right now. So looks like picks is what they'd have to give up for like a Jeremy Grant to get that contract over there. Um, Kimball Walker is starting to play like Kimball Walker right before the all-star break. And I, again, for some odd reason, players start playing better when they play the Pacers. Kimba destroyed the Pacers and looked like the Kimba that I thought he was going to be with the Celtics. He looks like his legs. I know he was dealing with some hamstring stuff. His legs look like he's finally getting under him underneath when he's, he's doing those quick screens and popping the quick three. He looks like he's healthy. Look to, for them to make a little bit of a run or at least to stay in that four or five seed. I don't think they're going to get up to that top three, but they're just going to stay in that four or five seed and still be a, hey, take you to six, seven games, depending on matchup and maybe make it to a second round and be a, a, a be a fun playoff team to watch. I would say the Celtics would be another team that keep your eye on at the trade, trade deadline for that. It's, it's interesting to me how much the Celtics have riding on Kemba Walker. My Hot goodness. Take. 
<laughs> Go for it. I think maybe the Kemba experiment is not working. Yeah. Maybe I maybe I I throw all my chips in and I bet and I bet on uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Because what's happening is that, you know, very quickly, there's a lot of because what's happening is you have three non-pattern players on the court at the same time. Jalen. So non-pattern is basically someone who's able to kind of like freestyle play their offense. Right. So now you have three of them where you have Kemba who wants to dance. you got Jason Tatum who wants who wants to dance. Jalen Brown, who has the potential to be able to want to dance. But now you're kind of limiting his ceiling a little bit. He wants to get in that dance bad, yeah. And rightfully so. So maybe, you know what, maybe I just go with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Maybe I surround him with a shooter, right? But it's just, it's a lot going on. Yeah, yeah, that's a a valid point. And you can see it play out because, quite frankly, when Kemba's not in the lineup, you know, they struggle, but at least they're not winning games, but – they were winning games last year without him, and I think it's because they knew. Okay, it's your turn, guys. You two are the guys. It gets hard when you have more than two, mm-hmm. like you said. So there's the East and there's the West. Um, real quickly before we end this episode, we're going to do one Would You Rather. You guys each got one minute, one minute to answer one question of Would You Rather, Okay. So here is the Would You Rather, and we're going to go in order of Mike and then Zach and then Coach O, just because that's what I see on the screen. Okay. Bring it. Um, So here we go. I'm nervous. Okay. So this is going to be um, in a playoff situation. Okay. Playoff situation. Would you rather, as the guy on your team in the playoffs, would you rather have Paul George or Brandon Ingram? This year, playoff game seven, Paul George, Brandon Ingram. Ready, set, Mike, go. Uh, Is there a third choice? I think that – God, I – I want to dump on 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 PG, and I think Ingram. Oh God, thanks for all the qualifiers playoffs this year. Um, Paul George, I I he's I I would not. We talked about this. I wouldn't take him. I don't think moving forward, but for this year and specifically for me, if we're talking about this year, it feels like there's a redemption story possible with him because he had to come out of the game, right? Last year, ah. <laughs> he, uh. he, he had to come out and it feels like there's a potential for a redemption story there. And, and if we're legit talking about this year, they're going to be a higher seed. And, mm-hmm. and so in a vacuum, who knows, but for this year in the playoffs, I'm taking PG, I guess. Zach, you're up. <laughs> it's tough. This one's tough. I'm just looking at Brandon Ringram's last 10 games before all-star break. Um, on fire. <laughs> And he averaged about 28 points a game before all-star break hit. The one thing that we've seen the last two seasons, and especially this season, he is coming into his own as the guy and the player. The only thing that keeps me bringing back to Paul George is the defensive end of the floor because I'm a defense first guy. Um, You have the potential of Paul George's offense – and the defense that he can bring, I'm gonna probably still lean towards his way. But I'm looking at I'm looking at even his shooting percentage of Brandon Ingram, and he even shot the ball well these last ten games. That dude is an offensive juggernaut. You know what? Screw it, Brandon Ingram. Give it to me, Brandon I like Ingram. It. I want him. Give Give him to me. I want Brandon. I like it. Coach, I like you're it. up. I like it. <laughs> break Break the tie, bro. Great, great, point. <laughs> great points. So I'm going to break the tie in a sense where if I am the favorite and we're supposed to win, I'm going to go Paul George because I think right now we need shooting and I could really rely on his defense. If 
we have a Cinderella run and we need to build on for next year, I'm definitely taking Brandon Ingram because then I'm thinking like, okay, this might be a stepping stone. And like you guys have mentioned, he's coming into his own. This is the guy. So watch Bro, out. That, that's not an answer. You just said both names. <laughs> I had to give different scenarios. But if we're winning now, you hey, said we're trying to win now. I, I said we're in, a play, we're, we're in a playoff game seven. Who do you need that's, on your that's team? That's the scenario, guy? dude. Because this is a loaded question because it depends who I am as a player because, you know, so – but if we're going – okay, for today, I'm going Paul George. All right. <laughs> so that's it, episode 13. Thank you, guys. We will be back soon for episode 14. From all of us at X's and O's NBA Breakdown, we bid you adieu. Mamba on three. One, two, three. Mamba. Mamba. Peace out. See you, boys. Peace. Thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of X's and O's NBA Breakdown. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please like, subscribe, or comment on any of our social media sites at X underscore Breakdown. See you next week. And remember, Mamba on three.